everyone, and welcome to the Learn and Lead podcast. The Learn and Lead podcast is for educators by educators, and we want to bring the world of Arizona public education to you and our thousands of members across the state. Our objective is to provide a platform for the voices of our educator leaders, along with some amazing community allies, and have conversations about those education topics that are on everyone's mind. Hello, everyone. My name is Amber Gould. I am your Arizona Education Association State Treasurer. And I'm Carrie Wolf, your AEA Learn and Lead Specialist. All right. So, Carrie, as per the norm, I do have a joke for you. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. What are politically enthusiastic robins known for? Robins? Robins. Uh, I don't know. Early voting. Oh, it my gets, goodness. Like, the early bird yes. Gets yeah, you really, like... <laughs> It was not good. I, <laughs> that was a thinker. <laughs> well, was it? Because, um, I mean, I had some other ones, but they were also just like, why does Mississippi see so many voters at the polls? Why? Because it has four eyes. <laughs> yeah, they're not good. They're not, none of my jokes are good. Maybe because um, politics are not as funny as they should I know, be. <laughs> it's hard to find like good, like political jokes that are one appropriate. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and and two, also not, not like, demoralizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, Carrie, tell us, who do we have with us today? So, today we have Carrie Baker, who is a former educator in the Peoria Unified School District and is going to be talking to us about what it's like to run for school board. Well, and I'm really excited for this because I know we've had a lot of members who, you know, have wanted to dip their toe into politics a little more. And I can't tell you how beneficial it is to have educators sitting in those governing board seats or people that are truly just education, public education fanatics sitting in those seats, right? <laughs> right. Uh, so you need both. And so I'm very excited to have you on and kind of pick your brain about what the process was and your decision making and then what it's like being a, a current governing board member in the state of Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> and just to kind of kind of make sure we're on the same page here, why is this especially time, timely for right now? I mean, it's May, November is a long way away. Like November is why? not a long way away. Like even the end of this month, this, we were. I was talking with my senior student they have a countdown and I think it's all like what they have like 15 days or something left <laughs> and I can't believe how fast this year went by so school year is going to end summer's going to be here and then it's time to vote and uh, we need we need people to start this process now so with that uh, we do have some questions for you Carrie. okay um, and just kind of starting with the basics like why did you choose to run and what motivates you to continue serving Hopefully continue serving, right? Right, right. Don't worry. I will put in my uh, statement of interest for 24. I just haven't yet. Um, so I chose to run because as a parent and a former teacher, I could see the direction that school boards have been heading um, in the Paradise Valley Unified School District. We've always had a very um, measured and steady board. There hasn't been extremists one way or the other they handled COVID as best they could. They listened to the science. There wasn't ever a lot of disruption in our school district. And I wanted to keep that in our school district. I didn't want someone who was going to come in and shake things up or who maybe was anti-public education or had their extremist views. I did not want that in the district that I lived in and that four of my children go to school in. Oh, wow. It's so crazy that people that are anti-public education run for public school boards. Like that blows my mind. <laughs> it is, um, it is wild to sit in a boardroom and listen to people talk about, um, government schools. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a term. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So um, the second part of your question, what motivates me to continue serving is, um, well, my children still go to school in that district. How old are your kids? They are, my youngest is in first grade. I know. So I'm in the district for a while. And then my oldest is a senior. Oh, wow. So I do have one finishing up this year. But then I have a 15-year-old freshman and a 12-year-old sixth grader. Oh, wow. That's a fun range. Yeah. (laughs) They, They keep me busy. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you just got elected, right? Like in November? I did. So it's been a whirlwind, I'm sure. It has. I just got elected. I was just sworn in at the end of December, just started in January. And because the seat that I was elected for was only half a term because someone resigned, I get to do this all over again in 24. Woo. <laughs> you know what, yeah. though? I You had a lot of supporters. I mean, I remember seeing a picture of the school district and the local, like, kind of coming out, and there being, like, 50 or 60 people, like, showing up oh, to yeah. walk Paradise for you. Like, that was Valley amazing. Paradise Education Association showed up. Yeah, we had a couple uh, Canvas events where there were upwards of 50, 60 educators involved knocking doors, um, making sure that the word got out that there was some very good governing board candidates. We we did uh, one with Kathy Hoffman and just the outpour of support from that local association is really what tipped the scales in my favor to have so many educators circulate petitions, knock on doors, put signs in their yards, put signs in their car windshields so that when they were parked at the schools, people could see who the teachers were um, backing for governing board. I mean, that experience to me just showed how important a strong local is to their school district. That's amazing. And just knowing, you know, for those that have never gone canvassing before, let me tell you, it's really easy, especially when you have a candidate that you're like, this person is what's good for our community and what's good for our schools. Um, and so, like, if you're not comfortable knocking on doors, well, then definitely get a sign or help them uh, flyer uh, different neighborhoods. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be knocking on doors, but let me tell you, all the times that I've done it, it's very rare that I come up to someone who's like who's like a jerk about things, right? Most of the time, I, they answer the door and I'm able to tell them that I'm an educator and I'm here talking about people who are pro-public education and they want to hear me. They do. Yeah, I also had such friendly people answer their doors. It was really like, I was really nervous at first, but it's a great experience and everyone should actually give canvassing a try. (laughs) Well, and even if you are maybe not mobile enough to do the walking, we always need drivers. So you can sign up to canvas and you can drive, which is really helpful. My husband always gets roped into doing that because he'll drop me and someone else off at the end of a block. And then we'll go like up and down mm-hmm. the next block and then pick, he'll pick us up and then go down a couple streets and kind of help just move things along faster. So if you're willing to drive, that is also really helpful. You know, it's really weird um, now that we're talking about this and like the time of year and whatnot, I'm like, it's really odd that I don't have like an initiative petition in my hands right now, ready to go and knock on doors. <laughs> so many educators <laughs> just groaned. <laughs> right? Be that's careful my, what you wish for, Amber. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Okay. So, so Carrie, earlier you had talked about like one of the reasons that you ran was because you were concerned about these extreme sides mm-hmm. um, being part of school boards. And so how do you, how do you handle those extreme party politics that are playing out in school board meetings, like across their state? Yeah, we are seeing that more and more. Um, I think for me, when 
I'm getting ready for a meeting. I just remember what I'm doing it for, who I'm doing it for. I kind of think about what I'm going to say and why I'm going to say it. People get up and call to the public and they can be really, really mean. And so remembering that that small percentage of people who get up and get mean um, don't represent everybody, that I'm not hearing from all of the people who do support me, all the people who voted for me. I'm only hearing from the angry people. And so that combined with knowing that I'm there for the educators in my district and the students in my district, and that's who I was elected to serve, keeps me grounded and keeps me going back each and every Thursday that there's a governing board meeting. Well, and that tells you how important it is for parents who maybe are not into the extremism playing out at our politics or politics playing out at the school board level. Like we need you to send nice emails to the board reminding them that they, that you exist. We need you to come to board members and be that, you know, that more balanced perspective that we need you. If you have experiences where you see the negative impact that these extreme party politics are playing out at to come and share your story, because if we only allow the extremists to have these conversations then we are neglecting all of the majority who are not present at that board meeting right so like parents we need you we need you we need you especially to come to board meetings and to advocate for a balanced approach to education where all stakeholders are considered oh that's such good advice well and especially because yeah we don't we don't get to hear the the same voices if you will a lot Mm -hmm. of the times and it's, it's teachers, when we're using data and we have to look at the numbers, it's very difficult for, you know, governing boards or superintendents to look at something and go, well, I've only heard negative things about this plan or an, or an idea. I haven't heard any positive. And it's hard to then justify moving forward with what could be an amazing idea, right? And so that is, that is a great point to add in. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So yeah. part of your job as a school board member is kind of, being part of some of those bargaining agreements, right? In the sense Mm -hmm. that you approve any raises and hiring and firing and all the things. Um, So I'm just curious, how do you think collective bargaining can be used to improve working conditions and teacher retention rates? Do you see any correlation to when local associations have bargaining rights? Absolutely. As I have gone through this last bargaining process in um, Paradise Valley, I have seen, I can see that the working conditions are just so much better. They get, in our district, those teachers, they don't have duties. They have um, really protected work time that's really written in strong language. And they feel more supported by the district. There's better communication between schools and educators. There's just so many benefits to a strong bargaining team and a strong bargaining unit that keeps the school district running at the best capacity that it can, which in turn ensures better student outcomes across our district. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The the duty part, duty, <laughs> uh, the duty part, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I hang out with teenagers all day. It's what I do. Um, so one of the one of the selling factors that I got for, for my mom, who's also an English teacher, I got her to come over from a different district into my district, and it was it was the duty piece. And I was like, listen, you don't have recess duty, you don't have 
bus duty. And if you do have anything like that, like lunchtime, it, there's a stipend to mm-hmm. it. You get paid extra for it. Um, and that's such the benefit of having a strong local, a strong local that has a strong board that they communicate well and they're able to move forward with things. Yeah, and it does things like it keeps uh, class sizes capped. Also caps the number of IEPs a uh, resource teacher or special ed teacher might be responsible for. It, it just it touches on everything that would make a teacher's working conditions. That's really awesome. So those of you that are negotiating things right now, think about cap for IEPs. That's a great little bargaining piece right there. And that's yeah. pretty close to your heart, right, as a former SPED teacher? Yes, it is. When I read that language in the bargaining agreement, I was like, oh, this is amazing because you could stick 14 or 15 or 16 kids with autism in a self-contained classroom, but that is really not best practices. And bargaining agreements have language that prevents that or gets another body in the classroom so that the teacher isn't outnumbered. Yeah, it goes back to that phrase like uh, teachers' working conditions are our students' learning conditions, right? Yes, yes. Exactly. I think about that phrase a lot. <laughs> oh, okay. So with this collective bargaining, I know you do a lot of work with the local union. Um, what advice do you have for like other governing board members, either potential or current members, on how to work best with the local association? Um, I think the best thing is the relationships. Know your governing board members. Talk to your governing board members. If there's a concern, reach out to them. But also if they're doing something you like, reach out to them. Um, I have gone to, well, when I was a candidate, I went to a couple of their meetings. Um, I made sure they knew who I was. When they reach out to me, I listen and I respond. And I just think if you are an educator or you are on the governing board, having relationships with your teachers really helps you know what's going on in the district and in each school. And it just improves outcomes everywhere. Well, and being an educator on the board also probably gives you a different perspective on when teachers do bring things to you that you know, okay, like this is the context that I can kind of relate this to, like this makes sense, and I know how this will impact students. So I'm sure that that adds a whole other lens for you as an educator. Absolutely. When I'm considering a vote or I am thinking about what I'm going to say, I think about When I was a teacher, I take myself back to my classrooms, back to any struggles I was facing and how any decision or policy would have impacted me in my own classroom. And I think that that makes um, makes me really, truly understand more of what they're going through than someone just coming in who has no real experience with that. You know, I know this isn't your school district, but hot off the presses, we know (laughs) that the hot tea right now is that Washington District Education Association just worked with their district to pass a resolution um, that kind of strengthens that bond between the school district and the local. I did hear about that, and it was actually a historic uh, measure by the Washington School District to pass this resolution. It was incredible to see. Um, It talks about in the resolution how important a strong association is to teacher working conditions, teacher retention, and student outcomes. Um, They talk about advocacy for fair pay, for benefits, a voice in working conditions, and climate and culture. Right now, it's really hard to be an educator. There's a ton of turnover. There are so many attacks on teachers in the media. And a strong district and a strong local association can really make all the difference in a teacher's 
day-to-day work life. And so to see this district pass this and support it and move forward with it is just really exciting. Well, and what I love about that is that one of the one of the board members for Washington Elementary is a teacher over in my district. So shout out to Lindsay. Um, but it is really awesome because not only is she a teacher, but she's a teacher leader and a, and a union member. And so, um, and she does a lot of work, not just in our district or with Washington Elementary, um, but she's also part of our, our Learn and Lead family. So that's been exciting too. Okay, so looking at, at what Was- the Washington School District did, when you're looking at district policies and practices and how they align not only with like state and federal regulations and guidelines, but how do you, how do you ensure that they align with the positive working conditions for staff and faculty? Like, how do you make sure that everything kind of goes together? Because I know right now we have some legislation that has come through that is not exactly, it's not what's best for kids and it's not, it's not what's best for our educators. So how do you, how do you walk that line? Well, that, that's actually a really good question, especially right now. Um, you know, I'm a parent in the district. I'm a community member, and I don't always know the answers to all of this stuff, but I'm always willing to ask the questions and find out the answers just because I always want to make sure that we do have positive working conditions for our staff and faculty, but that we also are in compliant with policy and law. Oh, pr- great answer. Thank you for that. And I know sometimes that's that's difficult to do because – there's there's a battle going on at the state level as well. And so, you know, the more voices that we can have there, teacher voices, um, education support, professional voices, and governing board voices are going to make such a huge difference as we move forward. Very lucky right now we have a, a goalie in the governor's office, but as we all know, there's a, <laughs> her veto pen has so many, <laughs> so many ink stamps left, right? Um, so knowing all of this, what is your advice for those that are thinking about running for a governing board position? My advice would be to, um, well, to run, especially if you're an educator. The more educators we have in governing boards, the more um, of a voice that teachers and staff and everyone else will have, and there'll be better student outcomes. But I would also say um, talk to your local leaders reach out to um, your local association president, vice president, reach out maybe to other governing board members in your district to make sure that you're understanding what the district needs so you can answer those tough questions, um, so you can get support from your local association. I'll watch your social media. (laughs) I mean, I'm not, they will take whatever they can from your social media and turn it against you. And as crazy as that sounds, it happens. And so I'm not saying you have to lock it down and erase everything, but if you don't want something out there and you're thinking about running, now's the time to to take it off there. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, good point. And there's something else that struck me because we've had this conversation before and there was a piece of information and advice that I really love that you talked about in our previous conversation, which is about how important it is for candidates to get out there and be part of the canvassing effort. Can you talk about like, you didn't just like, it's not just the educators that knocked doors, but like you yourself as a candidate knocked a ton of doors, Oh my right? gosh, yes. After I put in um, my name to run for governing board, I um, met with my local president. I met with another governing board member. I met with parent leaders. I met with um, the local uh, legislative, legislative districts. And I also went out and I knocked on doors probably six days a week. I was out there talking to the community, 
talking to voters, talking to parents, because um, especially at the governing board level, not a lot of people know who you are. There's not like name recognition Mm -hmm. and you don't want people just to like be like, oh, well, these three names sound good. You want the community to know who you are and what you stand for. And so as a candidate, it is super important to make sure you're out there talking to people, talking to voters. Well, thank you for that. And I know like six days, six days a week can sound a little scary, but Carrie, you you have a full-time job. You got four kids, you got a bazillion other things going on, but you still were able to, to juggle this and get elected. And so it is absolutely possible. So those of you that are thinking about it, it's not, it's, it's, you know, it can be a little scary, like as you move into it, but it's, it's not an impossible task and, and we can use people to really help support public ed in this way. Right. Right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, any last things you want to leave us with, Gary? I just want to say if you're running, um, it sounds like a lot of work, but you're not alone. There's trainings, there's groups, there's other organizations that can help you through all of this. So just do not think you're alone in it. Okay. Well, now that we've had time to kind of process the ins and outs of being a governing board member, I know that there are people out there that want to run for a governing board office or even like a legislative office. Yeah, it just sounds such like an, such an intimidating process. <laughs> well, I mean, elections can be intimidating, but I think there's a lot of there there are a lot of resources and support out there. Um, I know uh, several of my friends who have run have done this through the Sea Educators Run initiative with the National Education Association. I'm not super familiar with that. Um, what exactly does that entail? So the Sea Educators Run um, initiative is basically NEA training that focuses in on people who are either current candidates or candidates that are, or people that are going to be a candidate within like the next 18 months or so. But it's a very intensive training that really makes it so that you are, you are ready to step into that role and have a campaign that is effective and, um, and focused on our students. You know, a lot of organizations offer some version of candidate training. What makes the educators run different? I think what makes it a little different is that the focus really is on public education uh, and looking at how we can um, how we can basically work with legislators and governing board members to have that focus as well and being part of that collective voice. Right. Um, I mean, the NEA also encourages members to to look at any sort of a training that they feel is appropriate before launching a campaign for public office. Uh, this is just another resource that goes with it. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, just because you're in education doesn't necessarily mean that you know how to do the political work that goes into an education candidate role, right? And so it makes sense that they would provide that opportunity, like basically provide the materials for the educators to use their educator expertise and just kind of learn the political piece. Oh my gosh, yes. Well, and as, you know, as a member and community leader that has worked on campaigns with people, um, both at, you know, the local state and sometimes even like the national level, looking at like Senate candidates and things like that. I mean, the stuff that goes into it is crazy. And so just being able to wrap your head around it, um, really gives you that, that jump start that you might need if you are looking for public office. So I know like within the training itself, the topics that are covered are, um, like life planning to become a candidate, oh. which is something that like I, I never would have thought about oh, because it's like, okay, how does this impact 
you personally, how does this impact family, friends, like that social dynamic that's oh. a piece of this. Even looking at like, um, you know, in Arizona, uh, the state legislature, they are only technically working like during the legislative season, right? So right. it's only a few months. And so what happens at other parts of the year? So I think about like, uh, like um, Marsh, who still has to work part-time as a, as a teacher, um, one for insurance, because thank you, Arizona. Um, but two, also looking at, um, at being able to work the other part of the year. Um, I know uh, a lot of the educators in office do that. And so that's a big piece of it. You know, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, one of the number one barriers that I hear from potential candidates is like the fear of how much money it would cost or like what the, the time doing the role would cost away from their work or their jobs. It ma- I mean, it makes sense when you say it, but I never would have thought to include that in the Oh, and I, c- I could go on on a soapbox <laughs> with that. Um, <laughs> it, you know, it's funny because, you know, as, as crazy political as things get, I have always advocated for our, our state legislature to have an increase in salary because mm-hmm. right now it's only if you're like like independently wealthy can you really truly afford to be in in an office at that level because they don't make a lot of money. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so something to kind of think about there. Like if we want someone who is really going to focus on you know being a legislator and um, doing what's best for the community when they have to work, you know, when they have to work till 2 a.m. on, um, you know, working the, with trains like my representative did um, and working the railway um, and then going in the next day to his office at the state legislature, like it just doesn't make any sense. And so, you know, that piece is definitely something to consider to that point. Fundraising. Okay, I was just about to ask <laughs> because the idea of like all the legalities I'm sure that are involved in like PAC fundraising and clean elections and all the things like would send me into a tizzy. So I I was hoping that you would say that there was some kind of financial something or other. Oh yeah, unless once again you're like a, a millionaire and can fund your own campaign, which happens on occasion. Uh, I don't really see that <laughs> happening with educators. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I mean, so, can we fund it with Starbucks gift cards? Starbucks gift cards, right. <laughs> it's oh, Teacher goodness. Appreciation Week, right? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but like the fundraising is a big part of that. And some people can really find that daunting. Um, you know, I've had to do straight up cold calls for candidates and stuff um, to ask for money or to, you know, go to businesses, things like that. I mean, it's a big part of fundraising and at least having a grasp on what that could entail mm-hmm. uh, is definitely helpful. Well, there's campaign finance rules, right, about something. Oh, yeah, there's the legal part, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, So, yeah, I mean, fundraising is a big part of that, but that's why they also talk um, about, you know, in this training on, like, managing consultants and field operations and things like that, Uh, like the staff part of it, especially if you're running for, like, a state office. People might not need that if they're running for, like, uh, for a governing board, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of nice, but you still want like your team right right and so what does that look like and what is that uh who who is who is in your cabinet if you will um and then things like media training that's a big piece oh yeah i know that on the the you know rare occasions i've had to do an interview um i'm very aware of the ums that i use so i don't know if you want to count those during this episode or likes or even the pattern of my shirt like there's all these like there's all these different things um to think of as uh as you are a candidate and going through any sort of media situation well and 
as educators, I catch myself talking to non-educators and using educator jargon, right? Like oh we have gosh. things that we say that make sense to us, but it, they don't make sense to anyone who's not in a classroom. And so learning this skill to kind of code switch out of teacher talk, as my partner calls it, but instead switching to the more public facing narrative and like how do you explain differentiation to a parent how do you you know like how do you change and move away from the, all those acronyms we love we oh, love acronyms. acronyms speaking of that there's also things like in Arizona ASBA if we're talking um if we're talking you know acronyms which is the Arizona School Boards Association and Right. So one of the things that the NEA covers are policy resources and mm. being able to understand those documents or being under, uh, being able to understand campaign law um, and what goes into that. So that's another big piece uh, that's covered in the training. Well, and I imagine they cover some of the political jargon in terms of like, you know, political world has their own acronyms like COW, Committee of the Whole, right? And some of those other terminologies. Um, do you ever want to say like moo after someone says COW? I really do. Yeah, every time. Yes. Well, and bad. also like another political term that I've heard tossed around by our political team is TikToks. And every time I hear someone say TikToks, I think of like, you know, TikTok videos. Yeah, and I want to scroll talking for about hours. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, they're talking about like a like an agenda with like times and stuff. And that's what they mean, like TikToks in political world. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there's some, you know, translation yes. that's needed. Yeah, so I mean, it is a really cool uh, opportunity with the, with the National Education Association. And we've had people right here in Arizona that have gone through the training. Um, people all across the nation have gone through that. And they have people who have won elections literally all over our country. It's really neat to see the different states and the different offices that are being held by members who have gone through the C Educators Run program. Hmm. It's pretty interesting. Where do, <laughs> so where would we find more information about, like if you were interested, hypothetically, where would you find more information about this? I would suggest going to educationvotes.nea.org. That's going to start give with like the basic information that you uh, that you would need to sign up for C Educators Run. Mm. So once again, that's educationvotes.nea.org. Uh, but also, you know, talk to uh, talk to your local leadership, uh, your local union leadership. Um, talk to your uh, your AEA OC, um, or talk to one of the officers. Like we we definitely want to uh, support anyone who is pro-public education and is wanting to to run for office. So this is some exciting stuff, especially as we are inching closer and closer to November. I know we haven't even hit oh. summer yet, but like it's going to be here soon. Well, what really is blowing my mind is the fact that not only is it about to November, but we're going to hit 2024 elections before we know it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it's already crazy. It's already, it's already crazy, crazy out there. Oh, my goodness. And even if you're not interested, I bet you know someone that would be a really good political candidate for some of our offices. So nudge, nudge, wink, wink, kind of get them in the C Educators Run program. Ooh, that sounds like some good homework, Carrie. Ooh, oh, okay. I like it. All right. So official homework for this podcast. Um, we need you to either A, look at the C Educators Run program on uh, the educationvotes.nea.org website and see if it's something that you might be interested in or tag someone else who's pro-public education and see if they might be interested in running. 
like maybe one of those educators leaving the classroom right now or one of our retiring educators, someone who maybe has some strong opinions about education and the ways that we can improve the system. Ooh, that's great. Oh, yeah, those retiring educators. Oh, let's get them on school boards. Absolutely. Heck yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you. We want to give a special shout out to Josh Adkins from Paradise Valley Education Association for composing our theme song and another shout out to Carrie Wolf for producing each episode. If you want more information on other Learn and Lead opportunities and professional development made for educators and by educators, check out ArizonaEA.org slash professional dash excellence or reach out to your local president. If you're not currently a member and want to be part of creating opportunity for all students through the power of public education, you can join the Arizona Education Association by going to ArizonaEA.org backslash join. And that's the bell.